really bad songs in the 90s name one that one i remember like i a masterwork when that song came out I, it was like my first time working in an office i was like working in an office over the summer and you just like hear it constantly playing on like people's like little radios that they had on their desks people still also did that back then people would have like radios on their desks i'm kind still trying recently. to figure out where the first four mambos went <laughs> oof Hey, Jay Leno over here. <laughs> All right, Jimmy Fallon. You think those re- they'll release those at studio oh, yeah. studio outtakes? One time, <laughs> Mambo, Mambo number three, one through four. <laughs> I'm just surprised that somebody hasn't named their album like Mambo number three. There's Mambo number time, six is all the dudes he <laughs> fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about this movie. I want to talk about. <laughs> I, I want to talk about it. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. That was, I'm the your weirdest, host. that was the weirdest. <laughs> I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Dying. Alan Sussman. <laughs> Hello. Doctor, help me. <laughs> the Honorable Sam Lazarus. That's me. And Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. Hmm. And today <laughs> we are talking about The Matrix Reloaded. Wow. Rechoded? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so for, good, right? Uh, first observation. Why are they all wearing sunglasses? <laughs> what? I don't that I didn't catch at all. I didn't <laughs> the notice fact that they're wearing all. sunglasses. No, because no, they don't I didn't, want. I didn't think about it. They at don't all. want their enemies to see where they're looking. Checks out. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Scientifically Legit. speaking, well, do they ever change their wardrobe in any way? Like, do they ever take off yes. their coats? Between the movies, their wardrobes change. Oh, really? But yeah, well, Neo's the jacket movie. changes. Like, do they ever take off their coat? Yeah. Ne- Couldn't you make the same argument? Like, aren't they hot sometimes? Yeah, well, like, obviously I mean, not they can, like, because it's a simulation. Yeah. They can, like, do backflips midair. Wait, I just want to know what the bathroom shot, situation is like there. Like, do ones and zeros come out? Yes. It just looks like pee. There's a scene in the bathroom. Uh, with, like, this. Uh, oh, yeah, there is. Sexy lady smooches Neo for some reason. For no reason. (laughs) For no reason. (laughs) For no real reason. Nothing in this happens for any particular reason. People. This movie was garbage. Wait. Ah. Yeah. This barley tea is delish. Yeah. This episode is going to break up the podcast. As I feel like I've been saying every episode this season. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I I really want to talk about this because I, I couldn't quite put my finger on. It's a little difficult to say for me, like, what makes the first movie, I would say quite a good movie and this one pretty bad and maybe it's more like there's i think we all maybe have different opinions and i'd like to know and it's hard to figure out what the unifying factor is like there's a lot of different things that just seem to make this movie not really work in my opinion yeah i mean no discernible plot for one thing well or the Hmm. the plot is actually just like you're straight up locked into a basically a chase movie for the whole thing it's not the scene on the highway is like i fell asleep in the middle and when i woke up it was still going (laughs) yeah i actually you could have fallen asleep for five seconds i don't actually know how long i fell asleep (laughs) for so it's a long scene it's so long to yeah. me, I was thinking about this movie in the context of like the sophomore slump. Maybe not even the sophomore slump, but like when you have a big success on a record. And I know, Raph, you're going to come down positively on this. 
of like one of the most famous examples of this is like Fleetwood Mac Tusk. <laughs> where like you did something that was an unbelievable, undeniable success, and now you have every single option in the world and you don't know what the fuck to do with yourself. So like you're gonna do something fucking insane. So, I don't disagree with your logic, but in this particular example you're using, you fuck up something so hard that it is tusk, <laughs> which is great in its own way. It's just like it is balls to the wall, bonkers album, makes no sense. It's self-indulgent, like more self-indulgent than any Kiss album, which yeah. is really saying something. <laughs> like this is totally bonkers rock and roll and it fucking rules. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but like there is a cult of people like who just love that record. Anyway, for listeners of the show who don't know, Tusk was Fleetwood Mac's follow up to their unbelievably and I think probably Rumors. one of the top ten selling albums of all time. Sure. Rumors, yeah, it's it's in that, I figure that zone. Out in context. Cool. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> I don't know, but it, I, I like Tusk so much that I made my band cover the eponymous song in Tusk. I don't know. It's I mean, stupid. I just kept thinking about it. In terms of like, okay, so Tusk. Violet J is the Tusk of St. Cloud. Actually, has a lot of notes. This is more than usual, right? That's no, good, this though. is about oh, average. Really? All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to think of other examples, and I almost texted our chain about this of terrible sophomore, terrible follow-up, like self-indulgent things. I have a list uh, of The some, Arcade Fire? Yeah, of oh, The Arcade Fire, but that's like, was yeah, their, I guess... Wait, was Funeral their first album? Yeah, Funeral was their first album. Okay. They had a demo before it that was like decent, an EP. Um, and I don't no know. Cars go. Yeah. Um, okay. Which they then re-recorded self-indulgently, and it was garbage. Yeah, it was a be- worse recording of yeah. it. Yeah, like less Neon interesting. Bible. Uh, yeah. yeah, actually, really, that fits like a glove. Honestly, when, when that record leaked... I thought it was fake. I think I told you about this. I was yeah. waiting for a band to sort of leak because, again, in the in the early part of the decade, of the last decade, like leaked records were a big problem in the music industry. And this record leaked. I guess this was the later part of the decade at this point. And, and I just thought that they had leaked a fake record because I was like, oh, I was waiting for someone to do that. This is so like overblown and emotionally empty. Like this has got to be fake. They're fucking geniuses. And it was like, no, that's actually just the record yeah i mean they just Wait, you like, thought it was like a parody yeah i know <laughs> actually there's a there's a this is actually like a pretty full, uh, filled out analogy here like just like the second matrix arcade fire like leaned way too hard into certain aspects of mm. their sound and certain aspects of their like whatever you want to call it like vibe and just came up with something that was similar recognizable but like not not rounded in the same way like it, it missed it was like a lot of gestures towards something that was happened before but didn't really like stand on its own at all well yeah you create so it wasn't good an aesthetic language of something yeah. right like the first matrix does it so beautifully and so brilliantly and then you basically reiterate the aesthetic language with none of the content and there's also i think yeah, similarly this was, like, this was all like i mean they basically just immediately did the big explosions and fight scenes and like the first movie wasn't paced like this and you know part of the first movie's charm is like you know the sort of slow rollout of revelations yeah and this this doesn't happen it's like you're just immediately in this world where you're sort of just like they're giving you what they think I mean, you want which is just like all the fights yeah and like, all the explosions yeah right there is a bit of that and bullshit um, philosophy 
they don't, but those, they those things are both in the original matrix you guys like okay in this movie there is the the rollout of sort of world building of like oh we find out that the oracle is a program we find out that you know there's all these other programs that are kind of a wall or something right yeah and we find out you know that the kind of more about the structure of the war between the machines and the humans yeah right but it's just like i think the thing that makes the first matrix so amazing is that you know nothing going in right yeah. right in this one it's like it doesn't surprise details around yeah. the edges and you're kind of like oh i guess right. that's a kind of a more the details interesting aren't, picture, aren't really that interesting yeah like i in, mean i like the key maker i like you know there's not some in this one what? Oh wait! Oh no, the keymaker. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the train conductor. Oh right, he actually. Oh, not the train conductor, but the passenger is actually in this movie. I realized. Okay. In the scene where they go to see the Maravigia, but the, I mean, I think there is some really interesting stuff in here, but it's just like. I agree. It's partly I think that you expect more out of a second, offering. Um, yeah. Right? Like you expect it to blow your mind again. And like your mind has already been blown, so they would have to totally change the world to blow your mind again right and how how would they do that that so, would be part of it but i it's legitimately not that good like yeah i mean even on absolute scale i think right? i think the thing it's that happened all di- it's all directionless like if i yeah. mean i think a way you could do this and I, I can't think of an example now but i think one might come to me is like you try and make something that is um like structurally better than this like this was completely directionless like nothing well, nothing that happened in this for the first 85% of the movie meant anything. Actually, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to jump in and say it's the opposite. Like structurally, oh. they they're like neat as a pin, right? It's like event leads to other event leads to other event. And I think really the thing that's missing from it and and there's a really famous example of it in records is if you're going to follow up something that blows people's minds and you you can't really do that mind blow, the real place that you have to move the product and really sort of grow is emotionally. That's that's mm. the place where you can find a new, kind of a new do. depth. But I mean, and, and that's where Keanu Reeves gets like a really hard time, which he's since kind of pushed back against his reputation as a bad actor doing those John Wick movies. But the example he's of it, I was thinking, no, I, yeah. I agree with you. The example that I was thinking of was um, Plastic Ono Band, where it's like the Beatles, arguably one of the most famous bands of all time, you know, and, and maybe greatest, whatever, break up. And what their one of their two principal songwriters releases this solo record. How do you follow up this earth-shattering career? Well, you follow it up by really going interior and talking about the things that mean a lot to you. You know, like Mother or that song God at the end of Plastic Ono Band. Like those it's are. It's a great record. Yeah, it's an, a fucking unbelievable album, and it's the the only way you really can follow up something that's so expansive is by looking inward, at least to me. I I don't know. Maybe that's just like I'm a little too emo, but yeah, I think there's a sort of problem here, which is that I suspect that no one involved in making the original matrix really understood why it was so groundbreaking because the things that it's, it's like a perfect storm, right? It married action and philosophy very neatly. Yeah, but, like, that's not really new. I mean, maybe it's new to a Western audience, right? But, like, Gung Fu wasn't new, and the idea that there's a philosophical implication there isn't new, right? So it's it's not really as innovative as it feels. Maybe in the context of Western cinema it is, but I think there's something else happening there that's really compelling, 
I don't know what it is. There's something about the matrix that's like just awesome. Right. And it's hard. It's hard to reproduce that if you don't understand it. It's like, it's like the Oracle says, like you can't see past a a decision you don't understand. Right. I think you're probably right. I think that the way that you exceed expectations, this sounds facile and, and like very stupid, but is by not making a shitty predictable movie. (laughs) <laughs> Which is, they were like, we're going to make a shitty predictable movie. That was their goal. You think yeah. so? How could, they also, not, how could they not you know. know they were doing that? Do anything besides that. Like, I don't know. Like, take this in a different direction and, like, surprise your audience. Why not? All, I think there's also an issue. Like, I think the stakes were not that high. The stakes did not feel that high. And I no, think there's really an issue didn't. with trilogies, maybe. Yeah. Where... I think I'm trying to remember, but presumably everyone knew that this was going to be the second in a trilogy by the time yeah. this came out. And so the stakes are low because you know there's going to be a third movie, right? And so I think the stakes have to be kind of low. I think there's also an issue with like Neo being the Messiah. You know that nothing can really happen to Neo. Well, right? yeah, I think that they kind of do this thing during the movie where Neo is like questioning that re- that role for himself. I mean, it's pretty explicit. Like he, That's true. You know, and so... Like that's an interesting trope. To, I think there are. Inter- yeah, and I think there are other yeah, interesting but ideas. But they only the do that too. for the last couple minutes of the movie. I know what you're talking about. I know that they hit that that note a couple times in the movie, but that didn't really feel like that had any bearing on the movie. That felt like just right. sort of like, yeah. okay, we're gonna hit these character notes, and they didn't really get to any actual choice until the end. So I had the weird experience this time of not thinking that the when he meets the architect and the nature of the matrix is sort of unfolded a little bit and revealed more i didn't hate the explanation for the as much as i did the first time i saw this in 2003 yeah, or whatever agreed. yeah i was like oh that's actually kind of clever and i immediately thought i wish that they had raised some of this earlier to i mean like at least the part where neo being confronted i don't know i mean like i'm not writing this movie it's a lot to ask of people to write this but like the, the idea that neo is confronted with a choice of you know you are what the matrix is about uh it's built to exploit human choice in a way like you have to opt in to being a part of it on at least some level and that's what sustains it humans won't be able to exist in a utopia they reject it out of hand they also reject pure misery and that's i think somewhat profound idea for sure you have to be able to accept your reality to be to you make the choice to accept it to be uh, comfortable in it um, but then they then it becomes like Neo has a choice to make between saving humanity and uh, you know whatever the option other option is. I mean, there's sort of a third saving option, Trinity, right? right? Saving Trinity and saving Which humanity. Is, I right. kind of think that the cool one of the cool things about this movie is that it sets up the fact that when given a Hobson's choice. The real answer is to reject that choice. What's a Hobson's choice? Yeah, so a Hobson's choice is when you have two options and they're presented to you as the only two options and they're both unpalatable, right? But the, So the point is that actually what's happening is you're being presented with two untenable options as a way to tell you, you know, that you have no, you sort of have no options, Okay, so the typical example would be like, you know, you have to pick between like Trump or Mussolini. Those are the only two people running. So what are you going to do? You know, 
That's like, I mean, I'm, those are arbitrary examples, but that's the way it's framed. It's like two unacceptable options, and those are your only options. That's a Hobson's choice. So I'm saying like, those are both unacceptable to Neo. He can't not save Trinity, and he can't not save humanity. But it turns out, of course, I'm going ahead to the next movie here. It turns out that there's a third option, right, which is basically making peace with the machines. Oh, I, didn't re- I don't remember the third movie. I'm okay, well, but right. I mean, they telegraph it a little bit because Smith is involved. So, you know, the architect talks about how... Hold up. Let's do a plot breakdown for context. Yeah. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Um, yeah, so for listeners who haven't seen this movie, this is it starts so perfectly like bad and so perfectly wrong where the first movie starts with that fight scene where Trinity murders the cop and you don't see it coming. This movie starts basically with some kind of like a heist and Trinity is involved and there's like an explosion ex- and yeah. shooting. It's just she so drives a motorcycle into a building and a motorcycle it, which is apparently packed with C4. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, just, it explodes and and she like, falls in slow motion towards the ground and get shot. Yeah, and he's shooting right, that, someone. Is that how it starts? Yeah, it starts yeah. with her falling out of a building and getting shot at the end of that sequence. And it's just like, and then Neo wakes up and it's like, oh my God. Um, and essentially, it's like, what, we're a year out or six months out from the first movie? Do they say? They don't make it explicit. Yeah, he says at some point, like, we freed more minds in the last six months than in the last 12 years combined or something like yeah, that. okay. But I, who knows, right? Who knows what any of that means? I don't know. So, uh, but basically, it throws us back into this world where, you know, the people of Zion, the fighters, the resistance, whatever you want to call them, are fighting against the machines led by Neo, who is now a complete messiah. And we learn about... To, to a lot of people. To Some a people lot of people. don't believe in the prophecy. Yeah. Right? But a lot of people do, yeah. Fair enough. Well, And we learn about the prophecy, because I guess they, they mentioned the prophecy in the first movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, in general terms. In general terms. I don't know. Uh, so... I mean, I and just Zion is like the col- like cause they never show it in the in the first movie, but Zion's like the colony of people who've gotten out of the Matrix and uh, and it's so bad. I mean, that's <laughs> like that, you're probably like 20 minutes into the movie by the time you get to Zion, and it's just like nothing in it is really yeah. hitting the marks at this point. It's just, it's really surprising to me, like how kind of advanced Zion is yes. and how huge it is and. That's my biggest complaint about this movie. Yeah, I think it should be more like dystopian. Like, it it seems really advanced. Also, like you see, one of the first things you see in Zion is the uh, the mech, right? Yeah, which does, they don't even that doesn't even come. Yeah, it doesn't. Play. No, it's in the next movie. It's in the but, next one. Oh, okay. But like they show you the mech, and the mech is like spinning its guns. Like the whole thing doesn't make any. Like why would you make? Why wouldn't you just make a tank? Like what is the advantage of having a bipedal? Right. Mech with like articulated guns. It doesn't make any sense. Where the person the alien. doesn't even have yeah. like a covered over right. shell. Right. And so that's sort of right, a, this a is nerd problem picking. that goes. No, I mean, I think it, that's an issue that goes throughout the movie is like <laughs> in the Matrix, it makes sense for things to be over the top. Right. It makes sense for them to have like the alligator leather trench coat. Yeah. And like the giant weapons and the crazy cell phones and like Neo can fly. All this stuff makes sense because mm-hmm. it's like the power of the mind over the c- rules of the coded system. Right. Neo's full length Carta. Mm-hmm. His but jacket is fucking horrible. It's not <laughs> a jacket. It's a Carta. But <laughs> in the real world, 
in Zion, like they've built a thing which is just as fantastical as the shit that's going on inside the Matrix, which totally breaks the, I think, very interesting sort of uh, dichotomy, superposition, right? Of like this magical world where they can kind of do all these crazy things like move fast and jump high and all this stuff. And then the real world where it's like, oh, but we have technology to do that stuff. You, know you don't. You, you don't. You also don't have like quite a sense of of context, right? Like, how long has this been? Like, that yeah, was something I've, point, I, like how long has this been going on? Like, has there really been enough time for all right. these people to like escape the Matrix? I mean, Morpheus build says Zion, like hundreds of years. Like, make point. it. Yeah, he says. But it, yeah, it doesn't like make sense. at some point. It doesn't make sense. It's like, and so that bothers me because it's like, like humanity's been wiped out. I would rather see. I mean, like, not wiped out, but I would rather see Zion as like a really. Um, like a shithole, right? Yeah. And everybody's struggling. Like that would be much more interesting and it's it's more compelling because which you know, then people sort are of fighting that, that for was their freedom. Implied a little bit by the um the traitor. By 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 the well yeah. that too, but also in the first movie, the way everything looks on the ship is yeah, like the pretty aesthetic. fucking exactly. grimy. Exactly. But then you get to Zion, it's like you got people wearing like their fucking burning man outfits yeah it's it's basically like a fucking <laughs> crump sex rave like i don't know i it was horrible yeah it's so stupid it's very it has an extreme it kind of reminded California me of vibe. like the first <laughs> star wars like the star wars like episode one yes. maybe where yeah, it's yes. like yeah it's the like second the, trilogy is like yeah this the second movie. trilogy yeah, yeah totally where it's like you go and you see like the larger society and everything's just like too clean or functional yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They it think sort of makes because, sense in the Star Wars Because these Hollywood world. people think that's impressive. These I don't Hollywood even, Jews. <laughs> I don't even think it's. Do it just them. is like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a fail. It's a failure of imagination. It's it, a fa- it, and it's just a retread of shit. Have you guys watched Sensate? No, no. I think that this world that we see in Zion is like like a techno utopia that the Wachowskis envision, which is like a really cool idea, you know, and, and similar to sensei, there's like all this flexible sexuality and flexible social norms that, you know, they have this crazy rave and thinking the, about the rave orgy. Yeah. But famous I, scene like this movie lost me with first time I said lost me the first scene and it, it double lost me with the, the rave orgy. <laughs> I was leaving and I came back in so I could leave again. Right. Yeah, I guess my point is that that, them, like, that kind them. of aesthetic doesn't mesh super well with, I mean, it kind of does. I don't know. Maybe I'm full of shit. So something happened between. Cool, <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Uh, something happened <laughs> between um, the first Matrix and the second Matrix. I think it's worth talking about between 1998 and 2003. Oh, what yeah. 9-11. What's that? Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I almost, I almost want to say that, like, I'm sorry, I was just possessed for a second. <laughs> someone hold up, someone hold up a queen of diamonds. I don't know, like, yeah, the the botched response to the success of the first Matrix is almost as egregious as our botched response to 9/11. Almost, it's like kinda, on the same kinda, psychic <laughs> wavelength of like. That's pretty brutal, man. <laughs> like this thing happened. Let's do the wrong shit. Yeah, well, wow. kind of. That's so, that's what I mean. It's just like. There's a couple interesting things that I noticed. Like one is like, an ex- I mean, like these the indelible images in 9/11, and there is a scene in the Matrix in the tall tower yeah. where the looming tower where it mm. looks like a plane oh. hits it. 
And I'm just like, is yeah, this... Yeah, where a whole floor explodes Yeah, a floor out. explodes. It looks yeah. like the image, the famous images of the planes hitting the towers. And it's sort of like, was that intentional? Because it is very evocative of that. Yeah. Is this some sort of rep- repressed cultural memory that they just like have to... Because, you know, these things don't just happen. I mean, we're viewing it and it just happens, but these things take a lot of planning. So what was the process where they were like, we're going to make a building blow up in a way that's 9-11-ish? Right? Yeah. It begs a question. Isn't making a statement that, you know, one people's terrorists and other people's freedom fighters. Oh. Yeah. I I think that was in the first movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They definitely refer to them as terrorists in the first movie. Yeah. He calls Morpheus and Trinity a terrorist. Yeah. I don't know. And it, I don't know. I mean, and they could. I mean, could they lean into that in the second one, or do they have to sort of soft pedal around it? I think it was a little fresh in the cultural memory. Like this is pre. This movie came out in like May of two thousand three, so it's like we had exactly just where we arrived. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's crazy to think about that, and just like God, it was quite a time. Yeah. Well, here we are. It's almost twenty years later. We're still there. We're still losing. Yeah, we're still losing. Every day, like, people die and millions of dollars are spent for no fucking reason. I don't know. I'm feeling very nihilistic about The forever war. Yeah. It's true. I mean, they, you know, we opted into it. Yeah, right. Just like the Matrix. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was a choice. But yeah, this did feel like a post-9-11 movie in some ways. Yeah, in that it's like a depressing, I don't know. It hit a jingoism note kind of hard. Like, the Zion, how they're unified against outsiders and they're joyous in the face of oncoming an onslaught of of you know this like unspeakable unnameable terror which is kind of like what people were trying to go for back then which is yeah and ultimately completely stupid and incomprehensible where like really what you guys should be doing is brokering a peace deal with the machines you fucking morons right Mm -hmm. So interesting. I gotta see this third movie. That's now. what they do. Yeah. The third movie. Yeah, but but that's not their point of view, right? They're not like. You mean the people in Zion? Yeah, they're yeah. yeah the people in Zion are not oh, like our previous generations really fucked this up. You know what we need to do is like send a delegation out to these machines and figure out a way to communicate with them. I don't know. I mean, just to sort of short shortcut the the plot synopsis. Essentially, we see Zion. It's stupid. We get a sense of this, like... Are you (laughs) (laughs) anti-Zionist? Gotcha. Um, We can leave that in. That's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so we see Zion. It's stupid. There's, like, a sex party. We see Keanu's butt. Are her boobs in the movie? Yeah, no, we don't we see, definitely see side butt. butt. We see side butt. Not we enough. get some you crack. Any crack. You don't see crack. <laughs> there is she diff- puts her leg over the crack. I noticed this. Oh, I I didn't. Oh. I guess I probably well, had already commented. Excuse me. <laughs> but wait, that sex rave was the implication that that was an orgy? Because no, I, no, it was just a like a grind. Par- it was it's just, just a grind party. just a rave, you guys. Remember when those were cool? Oh, 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 we're, yeah, we're yeah. repositioning this podcast to per- <laughs> perv talk <laughs> we're trying to get more incels on board right yeah mm. it's a growing market <laughs> i don't know so yeah but to fat to fast talk the way through the plot synopsis because really wait did did you get did no, you if, we, no. if this is still about the sex rave <laughs> it's when jada pinkett smith how, how many what's her name in the movie Niobe. 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 That's right. Like goes up to she used to date Morpheus. And then she goes up to Morpheus and she's like checking him out and he just looks like a fat slob. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember that? 
That's so harsh. He has like a he has like a vest on. Oh God, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I she saw no your shirt dance, and I was like, not with that body. You guys, I saw your commentary on that before I watched the movie, and then I watched the scene, and I was like, I, I think he's hot in that scene. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. We have different. Like tastes. he's not flabby. He's just he's got he's a just big thick gut. No, he doesn't. He has like giant abs. They're just not sculpted. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Okay. Morpheus does? Whatever. You guys are done. Let's go to the tape. I think I have body dysmorphia for yeah. other people. Body dysmorphia. What, what is that called? Body dysmorphias. <laughs> I think everyone looks like Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Morpheus has this tense relationship with the elders of Zion where they're like, you know, he's like, we must follow the prophecy. And, and they're like, like, I don't agree f- with your protocols. Yeah. No, most of them agree with him, right? It's just the one guy yeah. who is now dating Niobe. And Sam, who's like the Sam James who's joke the, just the flew head over general. everyone's head. I got it. Breath. I was there. I got it. I've read yeah. it. He's the guy who like doesn't believe in Morpheus and the prophecy and stuff, right? Yeah, which none of it matters. They don't hit anything <laughs> with any kind of emotional gravitas. You don't really get a sense of anybody's personal stake in the movie at all. Cornell West is in there. Oh, that was Cornell West. Cornell West is in there. I was looking at him and I was like, who is that? I know who that is. I don't know why. Basically what? The the movie consists of about four other scenes. Not really, but it's like, okay, so we discover that Agent Smith now has these crazy powers because Neo killed him and he's able to infect other people and we keep seeing more and more. Oh, and other programs, which that's an interesting thing. When we learn that a lot of the things within the Matrix that we think are just humans who have chosen to stay in for incomprehensible reasons, they're actually... Programs. Programs. Right, but but I didn't We didn't know that from the first movie. Right, yeah. And I kind of loved learning that one. I didn't like that. That was like a nice surprise. Why not? Because who cares about programs? You know what I mean? Um, The movie. Says the programmer? (laughs) (laughs) What? Like, who cares, like... Says the it's guy who like believes when, AI is ascendant. <laughs> when you, when you, I don't it's know. Like the stakes go down even further when you're like, oh, he's fighting a bunch of programs. I agree. Who cares? It makes it less uh, mysterious. It's like, what does it mean to be an oracle if you're a program? I, I do think that it's Boring. sort of interesting. I disagree completely. But I think it removes stakes. I think it, like, it's an interesting idea, but I think it makes the movie less interesting. I mean, to me, I, I think you're exactly wrong. Like, one of the things that is wow. most exciting to me about this movie is the idea that there are, like, the agents, for instance, are not just, like, robots. Like, they have their own internal logic, their own emotional space, and they do things like want to continue to live even once their their purpose is over, right? They become entities with with free will and with choice just like us right which to me doesn't quite make i I don't know i don't think the logic is there for that i I don't know why these programs have to have a sense of like self-preservation because they're living beings that's the whole point well, but also, they don't need to be. I think it's a Why failure. Why did the Matrix make them living beings? Well, well, the Matrix didn't. No, they evolved within. They evolved within the greater structure of this sort of machine hive intelligence or whatever, or however the machine oh, intelligence right? works. Well, we don't I really mean, know. There's an architect. They, yeah, but they tell us about that. I mean, they talk to us about it in the third movie, which we don't need to get into. But there is a sense that, like, you know, these basically the machines aren't a monolith, and I thought that that was really good at expanding the world. I think the bad directing and where it sort of fails or where it falls off is that everybody has this sort of dialogue that sounds like they're reading the fucking phone book. It's just just like, 
You came here because you wanted to come here. I came here because I was already here. I ate a sandwich because you were fated to eat a sandwich. They're they're intoning. Yeah, it's the verb. It's everything. It's also interesting because this hits the notes that you're really interested in, Asher, of like determinism. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all about it, but it doesn't have much interesting it says zero it says Mm -hmm. nothing (laughs) there's a very brief so yeah uh, again to try and get back to this plot which is legitimately like four things it's like we we see zion there's a prophecy neo goes to talk to the oracle about the prophecy he gets basically no information other than like oh you have to go to this one place at this one time and that's essentially that's the kind of macguffin or the sort of uh to get the key maker. Well, you got to get the key maker and then you got to get to the architect or this one door that opens. And that becomes like the driving plot force of the movie, which is stupid, right? Like I just don't care about this long chase. And, right. And I Smith think... is trying to kill him. And now there are many Smiths. Yeah. It, I mean, you're not, I mean, it's like the ostensible goal is that the chosen one gets to the source is sort of what, I mean, at some point Morpheus says that, but it's not really enough you know it's, it's not enough to compel a series of actions this actually reminds me a little bit of something alan said for the um star wars episode yes is that <laughs> it was an interesting idea it's like all these like adding these rules actually encumbers the story so it feels like you know you lose the story loses momentum when you just like keep slapping rules onto it it's like here's what this is about here's what this is about and it's sort of like instead of explaining and being like um you know a revelation of how things work and those being interesting they're just in and of themselves those those are just rules for how the universe works they don't add anything of value they don't expand they just the universe what's happening yeah they just know? structure well, it and in this movie that's even more true because the spoiler is at the end this is all sort of like faded through partially because this is a matrix it's a simulation so it's sort of deterministic and partially because it's been constructed so that humans will interact with it in a certain way. But yeah, yeah, it does feel... And even before that, you do get the feeling like everyone's just kind of going through the motions. Is that what you mean? Kind no. of, yeah. I mean, it's possible that that's intentional. Cause that, it is Because in the third movie, I know we keep going to the third movie, but when Neo confronts the architect... And the architect. Well, hang on. Let's let's introduce that. So essentially, because the whole movie Neo is confronts a, the architect is a push towards Neo finding this random ass door, and then he walks through the door, and this is the payoff of the with movie. The key from the keymaker with the key from the keymaker right? who gets killed after he stole the fucking keymaker from the Merovingian. You know, after he fought the two white haired. Can we ghosts. talk about that? God, yeah. Merovingian mean? The Merovingian is the name of a dynasty of the franks i can't remember if charlemagne was a merovingian or not or if that was his a success no carolingian then merovingian the merovingians i think were the successors to the carolingians to the yeah carolingians so i don't know fucking random as hell like uh, i guess they're the precursors of the holy roman empire this is not my my main no. area of history so it's not that relevant but it's, they were french that is consistent I see. i'll <laughs> tell you where it comes in is like in conspiracy thought there's oh there you go like pre Da Vinci, like pre the Da Vinci Code, um, that I book. I understood. <laughs> yeah, but, but for our listeners <laughs> yeah. who don't know our shorthand for Dan Brown, um, <laughs> DB. Basically, that book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, that the Da Vinci Code is based on. Their hypothesis was that the line of Merovingian and Carolingian kings, their power was cemented because they passed on 
the information genealogical yeah like the genealogical charts and within their own blood of jesus and his wife right and that they were actually the the genetic successors to you know the messiah or whatever. so the implication would be that the merovingian is actually responsible per, for preserving neo i don't you know i mean maybe it, i think i think they just picked these out of a hat why is niobe named niobe Niobe's the famously bereaved mother in mythologies. Does that come up in this? Nope. I think it's they just picked names out of a hat. That sounded cool and biblical. A hat, a hat full of Messiah-related names. Right. Just started a word doc with uh, Greek classical names. And what, it, why, it, did, why do they dress like this in the Matrix? It's so stupid. They make this. Sorry, Sam. They make the choice to dress like this, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> also, beyond that, beyond their like stupid ass the way they dress... The other thing is, if you're in a simulation and you realize you're in a simulation, <laughs> yeah. why are you bothering with any of the rules of the simulation? Yeah. No, that's no, no. the right. thing that about is, it. That's that one is, of the biggest problems of this movie, I think. Yeah. Right? Because in the first Matrix movie, you go in, they spend so much time building up the context while you're still in the simulation, right? So when you come out, there's the reveal that like you're you're you were just in the simulation, but when you go back in as a viewer, you sort of already spend so much time in that simulation that you still kind of think of it as like a sort of real world, right? And then it's interesting that Neo can break the rules of that real world. But I think that one of the big problems with this movie is that once they are spending a lot of time outside of the simulation, outside of the Matrix, suddenly you're just, you just realize the Matrix is just a dumb simulation. Everyone who's outside of the Matrix should realize this. They shouldn't be dying when they get shot in the Matrix, like, what is causing them to do that? They should be all be able to just break the rules. You don't think that it's super amazing that Neo can break them and no one else can. Yeah, it's absolutely it's, fucking idiotic. And also, like, even he follows rules. It's like, yeah, oh, you have to... Right. Fl- like, like, he flies. Like, fucking fly. I'm sorry. I Teleport. just winked my eyes yeah. and the entire reality melted around me. Every agent well, died and, uh, you know, yeah, everyone like woke there's up. The scene where he's fighting, like, the vampires or whatever... And at one point uses like telekinesis to grab two sides off the wall. You guys remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. No. It's when they're in that room with the statues. Also, the wire work in this is so boring to watch. Sorry, Sam. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. I feel like they did that and they were like, this is going to be so awesome. People are going to think that this is amazing. And it just looks dumb. Yeah, it's like a 70s. They, they're particularly, doing it constantly. Particularly the fight scene against like the thousand Smiths where it's just... yeah it's just cgi and it looks like garbage so that scene that scene i remember like hating that scene the first time i saw this movie but now i have a different feeling about that scene where when he's just fighting like one or two smiths it's pretty boring like the choreography is pretty boring when he's fighting like five or six smiths i think it looks cool and when it it's right. ten or above, it looks <laughs> crappy again. Yeah. It just looks really silly. Yeah, because it's like all CGI at that point. Yeah, yeah they're all like cartoony looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he starts like jumping around on their heads and stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's like a terrible. cartoon. But yeah, the point I wanted to make is like we know that Neo has telekinesis because he summons these size. But at no other point in any of these movies does he use that power. Like in the fight with with I all the agents. I didn't even notice that he did that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> in the fight with the agents, why doesn't he just like force push them all away? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, or why does he just crush all their heads? Yeah, turn the ground into lava. <laughs> I mean, you can do anything. Well, big, that would be a big departure from the he has telekinesis. But I mean, yeah. a big problem here is like what Ashra says third act problems are, f- are first act problems, right? Yeah, that like is... Like the, the, 
like the movie, the first movie creates a really great storyline and you get kind of uh, wrapped up in it. You don't notice all the holes, but once you, in the second movie, they start having to dig into this world. You notice all the things that just don't make any sense. Yeah. And there's no, I think, I think again, what makes, and I'm going to go out and say like what makes kind of any of the world building sci-fi that we love ultimately successful is that it is developed emotionally and that it has a through line emotionally that we can identify with. So like, you know, we'll watch a hero's journey because we're bored, because it's exciting, because of all that stuff. But unless we actually identify with these characters on an emotional level and see them grow in some way or, or whatever, it's not, it's not going to be cogent at all. And it's not going to be interesting. And I just think that's the place where this movie fails. And ultimately like, the I mean the conversation with the architect mm. was more interesting on rewatch. So you know to get back to the plot, Neo makes it to the. That's a great know, point though. What like, I didn't even think about that. Like the characters just don't have character arcs. Yeah, no, there's no growth. There's no thing that they're all they're all trying to get everyone out of the matrix. They're all trying to you know complete this prophecy, but they don't have personal character arcs. Yeah, they don't. We don't all. ever see an emotional reaction or relationship between, you know, somebody who's just gotten out of the matrix. Like how must that fucking feel to be the person who helped this person survive machine slavery? It's completely unexamined. I don't know. Like mm. all there's of the kid, right? The kid that Neo freed it's sort of extremely super glancing blow. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, I mean, and the only moment where there was something interesting about that is when the kid hands Neo the spoon and is like, oh yeah, right. this guy will, you know, and that's Which of like, course felt like it was, you know, taking advantage of my, my, your emotion my zone. Emotions, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys also think it was weird that when everyone gets to Zion from the ship link, he's like, we got to go. These two lovebirds got to, you know, do something. And then like yeah, Neo yeah. and Trinity just start making out like furiously in the elevator and it's like you guys have been dating for like six months now and they have their own and you have yeah like you have your own room like are you just really horny now that you're in zion maybe they're not allowed to bone on the ship for some reason (laughs) oh yeah that's a nautical short out yeah Yeah. the (laughs) captain has to watch (laughs) yeah it's pretty the morpheus voice it just didn't really make sense i like to watch I enjoy watching. Yeah. Everything about this movie is stupid. <laughs> they're, first of all, they have, their sexual chemistry is terrible, is more upsetting than, I don't even know what. <laughs> it's like, it's one of the all time bad sex scenes, I think. <laughs> yeah. So Neo makes it to the architect. And also, like, the whole time, Listeners, he's like, I'm really, I'm really worried about saving Trinity. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, right. Because the other thing is, it's, he keeps having these visions of her dying. Yeah. And th- then throughout the movie, everyone's talking about how everything's kind of deterministic. So it's like pretty clear that she's going to die. Yeah. And she does. And she does. And, and then, she does. okay, so spoiler alert, Neo makes it to the architect. The architect is like, yeah, so like, uh, you know, we he built says this. Ergo a lot. Yeah, his, mm, oh God, terrible. I wanted to punch his head. Yeah, it's a very smug look about him. I don't know, man. And like the the chancellor or whatever, the chairman of oh, Zion, that fucking highbrow motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they found these people. Yeah, I know <laughs> Cornell yeah. West. Obviously, not at a right. casting office. Yeah, was this all Harvard <laughs> faculty or something? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see Alan Dershowitz in there. Oh, slam, slam dunk. <laughs> I just wanted to say before we do the the scene about the architect that 
concurrently with that scene is Trinity going, you know, fulfilling. Concord- I think you mean concordantly. I think the architect says concordantly, concordantly a couple times. He does. Okay, anyway. okay but so, uh, you know, hmm. she she goes into the Matrix against the promise she made to Morph- uh, to Neo to save the day or whatever. The scene where she's fighting the agent is almost a shot for shot remake of the scene where Neo dies in the first movie. Like she gets thrown through the wall in just the same way. Hmm. She gets pounded against the walls of the oh, yeah. of the hallway. And then she dies and is saved by Neo in exactly the same way or almost exactly the same way that Neo is saved. In fact, you see the digital image of her heart being rebooted, which in the first movie you see on the monitor in the ship, right? As, yeah. as uh, Trinity kisses him. And then she says, now we're even. It's like I don't know. I just thought that was like Is it good or bad? I, I think it's too much. Like it's too on the nose. I saw that scene this time around. I was like, oh wow, like it's just over the top. That's it's my opinion. Stupid. It's my opinion. It's supposed to be making this point, right? About these determinism yeah. and like these kind of loops that people find themselves well, in. Well that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah, it's but a it's, lot. It's yeah, it's nose. unexamined, yeah. completely moronic. But another issue I have with this movie is is like that when they go to people to ask for information, people are constantly giving these super cryptic answers Mm -hmm. for no apparent reason, which I've noticed, like I didn't used to notice this as much, but now I notice when it happens. I think J.J. Abrams does it a lot. He does it in Lost. He does it in Westworld where people are just giving these cryptic answers for no reason. Yeah, there's no response. And it's just because to say things straightforwardly would spoil right the, would either spoil or reveal that your narrative is so impoverished that you don't know <laughs> well that's not what happens <laughs> is happening in this one right. right like what did you have for breakfast yeah it's like that is not deep that is what just, did i not have for breakfast yeah, basically, this is basically what they're doing <laughs> yeah you like, know you you already know what i had for breakfast <laughs> but the Egg question McMuffin. is the question you're asking is what should you have for breakfast? <laughs> it's just like that shit over and over. Boring. Well, I did kind of like how uh, the scene where Neo meets the Oracle and basically she's like, how do you know you can trust me? Sorry to say you don't. You can't know. There's no way for you to know if you can trust me. And basically you find out at the end of the movie that you yeah. can't. Yeah. Like she's her whole point all along was to get him to the architect so that the whole thing could fall apart and start over again. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, and Word. so, yeah. Which like head. sort of undermines her whole character throughout. Yeah. It's horrible. Know, but I think it's kind of this cool. movie and the one before, I guess. I think it's cool. It undermines her character. I don't know. I, it, the other thing is, is everybody has these long winded, horribly written speeches. It yeah. reminds me of when I'm correcting like student essays and they try to use words that <laughs> sound smart and it just all it ever comes off as you sound like a defendant on Judge Judy, or it's like a police detective, like like reading from his report. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like. exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just like concordantly <laughs> with the infraction <laughs> yeah. heretofore had whereof. But you're yeah. definitely right about the architect. Like his whole speech is like, how can we make this simple concept sound like you know some pretentious asshole is speaking it? Yeah, and. Yeah, like, the dialogue is on like purpose. primetime TV level. Yeah. It's not like movie level. No, it's like NYPD blue <laughs> reject scripts. It's, I don't know. So, yeah, Neo saves Trinity. It's fake deep. Yeah, it's what it fake is. deep. 
Smith infects somehow leaves the matrix by infecting a human who then leaves the matrix which is also fucking idiotic no that makes sense sure i mean yeah it makes sense it works (laughs) fine yeah i don't know is there i mean did i miss anything yeah the end of the movie which is the worst part and totally blows up the whole concept of how this movie world wait sorry but i i was actually confused about the architect situation like so he is Neo has two choices, right? Yeah. One is save Trinity, but then... Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make sense, right? Because he also says that this time around is different because Neo has love. So, okay, in the other times around, what was the other choice? There was no other choice. At the other times around, No, no, but the whole point is choice. Like, he makes that really explicit in his Well, sorry, okay, then what were the choices? What were the choices last time? Or you said you don't know. That's what I'm saying. What okay, could but the what are the choices this time? So the choice is save Trinity, but Zion will get destroyed. Which why? And the Matrix will they'll the Matrix they'll shut down the Matrix essentially, or like kill all humans in the Matrix. And then the other option is what? Yeah, I didn't really. It, it, doesn't make it sense. didn't really track. No, it doesn't because he says earlier that the two options are. He says something about how he says basically that Zion is destroyed either way. Yeah, sounds Zion like that's what he's wiped saying, out either right? way. Yeah, Neo's job is either to okay, so maybe that's the choice. Is Zion is dead either way, but Neo can either save the rest save of humanity the rest. or not. No, but Neo he says <laughs> that Neo's job is to restart humanity, right? Yeah. To to take. 14 people or something. Restart Zion. Restart Zion. Zion. Sorry, rebuild Zion. That's what he says. 26 people, which is a stupid number. Yep. Yeah. Not enough for genetic diversity. Well, yeah, but they're going to be freeing people from the Matrix, so it works out. But yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense, Like, because it's not a choice. His whole speech is about how it all comes down to choice, and Neo's job is to balance the equation. But I'm, I'm still just trying choice. to figure out what the two choices are. There isn't a so t- in this movie, I, the two doors. In, what are the two doors? There in, aren't. In this variation, <laughs> in this time around the wheel of the Matrix simulation, the two choices are: one, go to the source, uh, and basically restart the whole cycle. Yeah, fix whatever aberration is in their code that they need him. Right, because or something, yeah, or something, and then everybody's going to start over from scratch, basically. Zion's going to start over, yeah, and the Matrix is and the reboot, Matrix because yeah. otherwise and the, the Matrix, Matrix reboot, yeah, yeah, the Matrix needs him. That's what the architect basically Was says. That one of the movies, Matrix reboot. Oh, the Matrix reboots, but the humans don't die. No, the humans don't but die. The Matrix reboots. Yeah, exactly. Okay, or he can leave, like. and so so basically, the architect gives him a choice. Right, he can either reboot the matrix and the humans survive because there's something about his brain waves that are necessary to the code of the matrix or something like that or to the choice the that the, the people make survive. yeah the humans in the matrix survive and yeah zion is destroyed either way or he can go rescue trinity tell the architect to fuck himself and and then the matrix crashes and yeah that's and what zion it is, is destroyed. that's what it and is zion and is then the machines will suffer through a world in which no humans are plugged into the matrix. Which also doesn't make sense. W- right. I mean, well, in the context of, of the course, movie. Well, yeah, the, the idea also, that they would draw power off human beings never makes sense. Doesn't make sense in the first place. Yeah. 
But then he just doesn't... Exp- yeah, whatever. But also, if the machines were in the middle of destroying Zion and the entire Matrix fell apart, they wouldn't be able to destroy Zion. It's just like... It's, it doesn't make any sense. His, but like, well, the even bigger flaw is that he says explicitly that this time is different because Neo has love. So the second choice in the absence of love is what? Nothing? Well, it's like you can try and warn everybody and go save Zion and you won't succeed. That's yeah, I think I that's guess. the second choice. choice. Yeah. Okay. Or I like guess. refuse to be a cog in the wheel. Right? Right. Which we and. all know Sam would do. <laughs> yeah. I mean to go back to the Hobson's so, choice okay. thing, I think it the turns thing out that, that he takes the third choice, essentially. Right? Because the situation is different now. So the the choices that were presented to him are not truly the two options. Because the machines are going to lose anyway because Smith is taking over everything. Reasonable. But we don't find that out in this movie. Uh, So, Sam, you said that you got Hobson's choice wrong? Yeah, it's the choice between a thing and no thing. Like, either take what we give you or you get nothing. Okay. Which is the same. I mean, it is a Hobson's choice. I just defined it wrong. Yeah, it's like the Kobayashi Maru. Good reference. This movie would have been better if it had been, like bad taste filmed and <laughs> acted entirely with New Zealanders, I would have enjoyed it a lot more personally. I think you're right. Except for Keanu. Keep Keanu. Everyone else, New Zealand. Which way, <laughs> which way to buy the town? <laughs> Sam, you said that you wanted to say something about the final scene. Yeah, I mean, seeing this as this is like a, a sensibly a sci-fi podcast and that Al and I are supposedly here to talk about the actual science of things. Oh, yeah. I would just like to point out that the final scene when Neo shuts down the sentinels that are about to kill them with his mind Mm -hmm. does not make any sense at all. Like the whole, and in fact, therefore the whole third movie, what what I read that it was that it was Wi-Fi (laughs) in his head. Like his head is a Wi-Fi antenna. antenna. No, he does not. (laughs) That's not how antennas work. And he would also have to have a radio in his brain in order to use that antenna, even if it was an antenna. I don't know, Sam. I'm buying it. Yeah, Jacques Vallée, <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. So actually, I think what I assumed was that they were on another layer of uh, another level of Matrix. Yeah. Oh, so the quote, well, that's real world is actually also a simulation? Yeah. That's just the big ass- reveal? Yeah, I assumed that that Could was a be. reveal. Could but be. also, I didn't see the third wait, wait, movie, wait. so they probably... But that isn't, that's not the reveal. I mean, that's not that's, what well, happens it, in the third yeah. movie. It could be. Because that's what I thought, too. It could be that that's what happens in the third movie and they just never tell us. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good... I mean, that honestly is the only (laughs) explanation for what happens. (laughs) No, man, it's Wi-Fi. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot describe to you how little little sense that makes. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Perhaps right. It's Bluetooth. Uh, Does that make you feel better? So what's the deal with electromagnetic pulses? Is that real? Can that sure. disable stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That okay, works cool. in the sh- in the movies as it would in real life. Unlike what's the deal with downloading stuff to your brain? Is that real? I mean, it's so far beyond the technology we have. Um, maybe. What's the deal with <laughs> robots that want to kill us? Is that real? That's yeah. Haven't you seen those videos of the? Big dog. That's my only. I mean, Big not my dog? only. Yeah, Boston Dynamics. Boston Dynamics. You guys is that know? the? Clo- yes, Boston I've Robotics, seen. I've seen the dog. He's isn't frightening. That a, Big dog. Isn't that like a clothing line? <laughs> well, yeah. The dog is like, don't mess with me. I'm a big dog. I killed Bin Laden. I killed. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, USA. <laughs> yeah, that stuff. You talking about Big Dog the Bounty Hunter? 
The green ones and zeros. Is that real? First of all, they're kanji. Second of all, yes. What about Keanu Reeves? Is he real? Scientifically speaking, is Keanu Reeves real? So am I to understand that we don't want to talk about the scientific truth or fiction? What do you think I'm doing? science fiction? (laughs) No, we do. It's just like... There is no truth in this movie, right? The truth is that <laughs> the some people... The whole point of science fiction is that it's supposed to be a conceit and then it's supposed to be consistent through the story. Like some technological conceit that is carried through in a faithful way. And that scene blows it out of the water. That's all I'm saying. Also, I, I would say there's something Unless about... Unless it's Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> or Bluetooth. There's something about these movies... It's like you know, know, have to their Bluetooth. It's like off, right? No, no. no. But I, I will say this. I guess this doesn't have to do with the site, like what's actually going on scientifically. But the idea behind him shutting down the Sentinels with his mind is thematically, it sort of makes sense because there is this continual blurring of the line between machines and programs and humans throughout the movie, right? Yeah, I dig that. Where you start to realize, okay, these are actually programs, and they are very human. Right, because they they have consciousness, they have, consciousness, they yeah. have a desire for self-preservation. You have Agent Smith now, who can infect people, who can actually get out into the real world by infecting someone who then leaves the Matrix. So thematically, you can see how it makes sense that okay, now Neo is somehow has powers in the real world and is connected to these machines somehow. How actually it works is never really well, no, exactly. explained, and I do think it's a big problem. <laughs> with I, I think mean, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to kind of feel like a cliffhanger, like not a cliffhanger, yeah. but like you're supposed to be like, thing Wait, that you want to figure out what what's How going on, possible? and then it never yeah. pays off in the third movie at all. Right? Do they ever even go back to it? Or yeah, or yeah, no. I mean, he those he, themes carry forward, and th- that that unanswered question not only never gets answered, but they double down. Like he has the same powers in the real world that he has in the Matrix, which cool. makes the whole concept. But he can't like fly and stuff, right? No, no but not literally yeah the reason it pisses me off is because like it's actually a consistent like it's a cool idea is there a simulation if you were in a simulation could you subconsciously subvert its rules like that's an interesting concept but it doesn't make any sense to then say given that power couldn't you use that power in the real world too like no obviously not <laughs> because it's not code <laughs> right yeah. Unless gonna, he's got Wi Fi in his They're going to explain it all in <laughs> Matrix 4. And then Keanu goes into a coma. That's when the movie ends. For, oh, yeah. By, the, from using his uh, powers in the real world. Oh, just God, down the yeah, centinels. which makes no sense. And, no, and it's because his Wi Fi radio overloaded. And then they cut to Rage Against the Machine. Oh, I forgot about that. What? Quite the aggro credit scene. Are we going to talk at all about how the machines and the Matrix are a metaphor for marketing and manufacturing consent? Or should we just skip over that? I feel like we spent a lot of time here complaining about the Matrix because I have so many... (laughs) But there are... I mean, the the thing that's so annoying about the Matrix, I think, or this movie, is that I think there are a lot of interesting ideas. Yeah, I agree. You know? And they just kind of are... They're just not... It's just not done right. Or not explored well enough yeah not as asher says not in a context that's emotionally compelling yeah there's no emotional center to this movie and as a result and and i think i mean i don't know i have a feeling the studio knew that the movie was spiraling out of control because they scheduled the release of these two movies the second and third matrix within six months of each other which i think they wouldn't have done had they you know if you really want to maximize something's profit you want to spread it out 
Um, well, another interesting thing is like that religion, which is most people think of as there to save us, is just another form of control. I mean, that's definitely in the in this movie, and that's interesting. Yeah, totally. It's just yeah, it's just handed and yeah. stupid. It just <laughs> except it's undermined by the fact that actually the prophecy turns out to be true. Of course, again, I'm jumping ahead of the third movie. Okay, so should we throw it to endorsements? Alan, what do you got? I have an endorsement this week. Nice. That, Ooh. that I didn't think of just now. Cool. Uh, it's the same endorsement that Sam had like two weeks ago. It's cheer. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Oh, good job. Nice. I'm only halfway through. Uh, way to go, Alan. Yeah. You came up with an endorsement. It's, it's so good. It's really it's good. Like, check this out. Netflix, it's, right? It's bizarrely yeah. good. Yeah. You really don't expect to like it. You don't. I mean, it's super... Or I didn't. But... It's it's a crazy interesting context. It's like these kids, a lot of them, you know, they use like cheerleading to deal with really horrible like home situations that they had or whatever. A lot of the guys are gay, but then it's like the best cheerleading team in in the US and they're in this small town in Texas, you know, very conservative town, like and it's uh, it's just super interesting. It's just like shot really well. Yeah, I agree. Awesome, Sam. What do you got? I actually have the opposite of an endorsement this week. An endorsement? Yeah, an underwear endorsement. Oh yeah. Um, if you're looking for boxer briefs, don't buy them at Muji. Oh yeah, they are <laughs> horrible. Yeah. The Muji boxer briefs are incomprehensible. It's like trying to put your body into the zone. It's, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's very uncomfortable. I'm wearing them wow. right now. They're terrible. Yeah, what's, I hate what's them. bad about them? Uh, there's no room <laughs> for it. the things that normally <laughs> go in underwear. I found. Yeah, I had double problems where it was like at first I was like, well, these ones just feel like I'm getting punched in the dick. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, let me go a size up. And then it was like, I'm wearing a skirt. Yeah. Opposite. It was like, okay, these were made for somebody with like two tennis ball size genitals. (laughs) And I wasn't going to go there. But but then the, the waistline is cut. So that it's like, and my ass crack is constantly out. It's like, <laughs> what, they're really the worst. Yeah, like what body did you think this went for? I mean, I don't know. You know, I got a weird body, but hell yeah, they're very strange. Yeah, you have a weird body. That's my endorsement. Actually, my experience with Muji in general is like that. Like none of their clothes are cut for a human being, or at least not for me. I yeah, no, their shirts ride up. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I love their sweaters. Yep, I have two of their sweaters. Yeah. Raph, what do you got? So uh, there's a show that I've been watching. Um, I thought the the show, the, uh, what was it? The Young Pope was okay. It was good. It was an interesting show, very stylish. Like parts of it were kind of like not totally satisfying. But The New Pope, which is the, I guess, second season, but they titled it differently, is really interesting. And it's like it's very engaging, and it is kind of pretentious, but it it is uh it is cool, and it deals with some interesting ideas, and you know it makes me you know it's like uh kind of scratches my like you know I'm very fascinated by the Catholic Church itch, so I'm enjoying it. I thought it was called the Two Popes, or is that something else? That's no, that's something different. else. That's a Netflix oh, okay. movie. This is but an that's HBO John show. Malkovich, the new Pope. John Malkovich, yeah, he is the yeah. new Pope cool yeah it's interesting it kind of deals with like the uh 
sort of basic idea of like what does it mean to have a temporal power, which is a church representing basically this spiritual idea, the spiritual authority. So there's an inherent contradiction there and the show actually, it's extremely weird. So yeah, I just think this show deals with that kind of smartly. Cool. And it's very stylish. Nice. When you say stylish, do you mean stylistic? Yeah, it looks cool. Mm. I'm endorsing barley tea. It's really delicious. <laughs> uh, you should drink it. It's not caffeinated. It makes me feel good. And uh, yeah, and I love it. And it's warm. And we're drinking it right now. I think I finished mine. <clears throat> All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. Sam is at Case of Piles. Alan is at Highly Affiligent. Raph. At underscore Perkwunos. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Robot House Pod, and it's spelled H-A-U-S. Until next time, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Bye. Goodbye.